We shall read from verses 1 to 14 together. Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 to 14. Genesis 17, 1. Begin reading. And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my core covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee, and I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight years old shall be circumcised among you. Every man child in your generations, he that is born in the house, or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house, and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And this uncircumcised man, child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us turn to God in prayer. Lord, Thou hast called Thyself and made known to us that Thou art the Almighty God and we are to walk before You. Lord, we come seeking Thy cleansing, washing in the blood of Christ. We come asking, O God, that Thou be merciful to preside in our midst this morning to teach us from Your Word what the covenantal family is about. And Lord, we gather as Thy people, desiring to know Your ways, desiring to know Your will, and that we may know how to order our lives, our family lives, our church lives, that we may be a pleasing people, walking aright in thy sight, that we may have thy blessing, that we may be used of you. And Lord, as we try to understand from your word, may your Holy Spirit alone be our teacher. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our understanding, and grant to us obedient hearts. Lord, be pleased, be merciful, Become asking all this in Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen. We have just read a passage about God making a covenant with Abraham. And as you read it, you will notice very, something very clearly. There's a repeated emphasis on the generation, the generations and the covenant. Now, this morning's topic is about the covenantal family you have family you are part of a family so how should the Christian view the family today the concept of a covenantal family is lost or at best misunderstood until the church the family begins to understand clearly what the covenantal family is. We will not be a family or a church that will have true joy, true purpose, 
and really fulfill God's purpose on this earth. All right, so that is why we are covering this topic because it's the covenantal family is pretty much a lost concept. Now, I want to emphasize this it is a lost concept, but it is not absent in the Bible. It has always been there, people have always understood it, but over time, Satan has managed to divert the church, the families, away from it successfully today. That is why you see many broken families. That's why you see even Christian families end up in divorces. Even Christian families are very unhappy today. Is that what the marriage is supposed to be? It is not. As we know from Scripture, the marriage is supposed to be the most wonderful gift, institution of God to mankind for those whom he intends to get married, for those who he intends to have family. So, now to understand <coughs> what is a covenantal family, if today I were to ask you, someone to ask you, oh, you are a church, you are a Christian family, I heard of covenantal families. What is that? Can you answer? We keep seeing this word, covenant, as God made covenant with Abraham and his future generations. What is a covenantal family? Now, first of all, let me try to give three broad um, guidelines or, or sections that, by God's grace, I hope we can cover this morning. Number, number one, first we want to see that God is a familial God. God is a familial God. What does that mean? God is very interested in the Christian's family. We want to see that from Scripture. So God is a familial, familial God is very important that you understand. Second section, <clears throat> God is a covenantal God. God is a covenantal God. God is a God who works through covenant. Okay, remember that. Then the third section. What is the covenantal family? Its purpose and its responsibilities. Alright, so God willing, these three sections. When we understand God <coughs> is a familiar God, when we understand God is a God that works through covenants, then when we put it together, we will begin to understand what is a covenantal family. Am I blocking anyone? Can you see me? No? Alright. From there, then you have to understand what your family and what your role is. That is why we wanted the children to be present, because it's about the family. So the teenagers, the young adults, you must understand your role as well. So with that, <clears throat> let's begin. Now I have a, a set of um, questions, sheet that you can use to help you follow the lesson. Ask the questions here to bring to your attention key things. Then you have another sheet that has some outline. All right, we'll try to keep to this outline as much as possible. <clears throat> so I hope this will help you. Now let's begin. God is a familial God. How do we know that? Look at your notes. God is a familial God. Oh, before we go there, let us look at the theme. The key is to understand the covenantal family. Why it is a covenantal family? Because God is a familial God. Right? So the purpose is, the family's purpose is for God. It is not blessings for yourself and for your enjoyment. Now, shall we read Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 24, section 2, together? Let's read together. Marriage was ordained for mutual help of husband and wife, for the increase of mankind with a legitimate issue, and of the church with an holy seat, and for preventing uncleanness. 
Now this is a very precise description. We covered that in WCF on the topic on marriage. Marriage, we want to understand, is to fulfill these purposes. And as we go through, <clears throat> I'll try to remember to come back to these purposes. God is a familiar God. Outline number one. When you look at the life of the families in the Bible, you will notice one thing. God is very interested. He cares for His people's family. Now, when you look at the life of Noah, look at Noah, Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Now, when God was going to destroy this earth, the entire face of the earth, with the global flood, what did he do with Noah's family? Alright, Genesis 6, 17 and 18. Shall we read together? 1, 2, reading. Now it says, And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. From under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark. And thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy son's wife, and with thee. When God was going to, do, going to destroy the face of the earth, to wipe out, God says, everything that has breath of life under heaven. But he says, Noah, I will save you. I will keep you. And was it just Noah? Noah, you are a faithful man. Build an ark and go in. No, he says specifically, bring your sons, bring your wife, your son's wife with thee, and I will protect you in the ark. So God has a particular care when he has his people. Now notice God says in verse 18, I will establish, he already has his covenant, but he said, I will establish it with you and your sons, your family will be protected because as I establish my covenant, I will take care of them. Now the Christian must understand, when you look at your family, you cannot see them as, I got saved, husband and wife, we are saved, and then let's live as we want. You look at your children. It is a wonderful assurance, a very wonderful thought that God says, I have a covenant with you and I am interested. I care for your family. Now, the other instance you see. <clears throat> now, turn to the case of Lot, Genesis 19. <clears throat> right in the beginning, you already see how God dealt with men. His people, his families. Genesis 19, read 14 to 16 together, please. Genesis 19, 14 to 16. <clears throat> <clears throat> One, two, reading. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, when then the angels hastened Lot's, saying, Arise, thy wife and thy daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the man laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his daughter, two daughters, at the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth, and they set him without the city. Now here God was also going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but, but God ensured that he would warn Lot to leave. Abraham prayed for that. And when God came, God sent angels to deliver Lot, just Lot. What? Just as in um, the faithful Lot, right? The Bible called just Lot. The faithful Lot, Lot. What did God do? He made sure that the angels, look at verse 15. In the morning, the angels rushed to Lot and said, Arise. Is it arise, Lot? Run, escape now. Fire and brimstone is coming down. No, he said, hasten, arise, take 
your wife and your two daughters which are here because I'm going to consume the city and look at verse 16 while he lingered now this is the mercy of God what did the angels do? they had to literally grab hold of Lord's hand run, grab hold, pull him out did, he, did they only pull Lot? And they lay their hands on the two daughters also, grab them by the hand and pull them out of the city. Not just Lot. Now, God is a God in scriptures when he has a covenant with his people. He, he took care of the children as well. So parents, you must look at your children differently from now onwards. Family, you must look at your family differently from now onwards. When you are in a covenant with God, when you are a saved believer, God intimately dwells with your family. He watches over your family. He desires that your family have peace, joy, and is blessed. We'll talk about that afterwards. Why? Why? But He desires that to protect it. Now, do you realize that very often, if you are a saved parent and your child is not saved, yet has not come to the saving knowledge, have not come to the Lord as his or her personal saviour, do you realize that if you're driving and an accident comes upon you, do you realize that the familial God he protects you if that's his intention or if he's kinder he lets you die the world says what let me die because if you're a true believer when you die you go to a far better place right or if God says no you have purpose to fulfill in this world you have to stay there when God protects you and your children are in there the Lord protects the children very often they escape because of you or you're a child that is a believer in the home. Something happens, the Lord protects you and He also protects the rest of the family. That is the familial God. He cares for them. Now, these are not two occasions of um, um, an accident is happening. It's global flood. It is fire and brimstone that is going to destroy an entire city. That is how God works. Now then, you, what you said, well, that is the Old Testament. Is it still about the covenant? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. First Corinthians chapter 7. Now shall we read verses 12 to 14. What does God say about the family? In the New Testament, 12 to 14, reading together. But to the rest I speak, speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are they holy. What is God saying here? This concept of the familial God is a perpetual one. And he says to the people in the church, if you are a believer and your spouse is not a believer, and your spouse says, all right, um, I'll, we'll stay together and don't insist on divorce because you become a Christian. I don't like Christianity. I don't believe in God. I want to divorce you. Now, if they are pleased to dwell together. In fact, God says, do the best you can not to divorce. And he says, the spouse sanctifies the other spouse. And he says in verse, th uh, verse 14, if not, if that were not the case, your children will be unclean, but now they are holy. What is God saying? Is God saying a spouse get married? Oh, straight away the husband or the other spouse um, uh, gain holiness and will go to heaven automatically, or the children 
Suddenly they become holy and they're all, the whole family is going to heaven. Is that what is God saying? Of course not. We know from other parts of Scripture, salvation is a personal relationship with God, right? So it's personal. But here what God is saying, which I've emphasized many times, the word sanctified, the word holy, they come from the same Greek root word, right? What does it mean? Jung, what is it? Say again? Separate, right? We've said many times this word means they are set apart. Set apart. Now God says, if you're a believer, I look at your family. I set apart your husband. I set apart your children from the rest. I have a special attention and care now because, and I am setting them apart. I have a special familiar interest in them. Protection, care, help. That is what God is saying. And furthermore, what is this set apart? You see that there are occasions where God says, now if the unbelieving wife, by your testimony, you live a godly life, perchance your husband will begin to see who God is. Perchance, your unbelieving siblings, family, now they are going to get to hear the gospel more than other people, correct? If you're a totally unbelieving family, all go to temples and so on, what are the chances of them hearing the gospel? But because there is a believer in the family, God gives them benefits that most family may not have, especially in coming to know the living God. And on top of that, God says, I have a special care for them. I have a special care for them. And even at salvation, the Lord told the family, believe on the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved and thy family, right? What does it mean? God willing, we'll look at that as well. God says, your salvation, I'm not only caring about your salvation, I'm interested in the salvation of your family as well. So here we see over and over again. Um, let's turn to Acts chapter 2 verse 30. It summarizes it all. Acts chapter 2, verse 30. Point 1b, right? Point 1b. Acts chapter 2, verse 30. Now, shall we read um, this verse together? Read. Okay, I've copied this wrongly. I'll come back to that in another part. But the promise is to you and your children and those afar off. Now here God uses the word promise and uses the word to your family. Now one thing that we have to realize is God's promise to the family extends to the children. What does it mean? What is this promise? The promise is the meaning of covenant covenant what is a covenant okay we'll study that later on what is the covenant the covenant is a promise from god so god says um, when i make a covenant with you it is it only for you yes there is a direct covenant but there is a covenant that is always about a care for your family. So the Christian must understand, I cannot, I can no longer look at my family as me saved. My family is a separate uh, entity. I do not engage them in my faith. God, God is saying, no, you like me have to be interested in their faith, interested in having them also to come to know you. That is, that is why God is saying, my covenant, my promise is unto you and to your children. Now families who do not bring their families, or rather a safe person, a safe father, a safe mother, who does not bring their families to God, you have to realize that you are failing and you are not understanding God's purpose for Him saving you in your family. 
if you are if you are if you are the only believer in the family god says i am giving you this great privilege if you are safe parents i am giving you this great privilege to extend my promise to the family okay so first of all we understand that god is a familial god now there are many many other examples um, that we that we don't have time to look at but suffice for now we understand and we see without without a doubt god is a familial god now next thing is this then how do we know how do we know god is a covenantal god how do we know god is a covenantal god all right so now question number one i've answered that how do we know from the families that we see in the bible now why is god a familial god look at question uh, point one c why is god a familial god do you ever ask yourself why is god a familial god is it god wants to be very nice to your family god wants to bless your family with riches and health god wants to um, protect them and give them very long life is that the purpose of god give your family long life always make sure that their, your children become very smart your children will score a's in school be brain surgeons are successful um, in the world you know it came to a point where it came to a point where people even say that wow look at the jews do you hear that look at the jews they are very blessed people look at them look at the world around the world the jews are especially blessed by god everywhere you go you see that they are successful businessmen right their children are very blessed they are one of for the most important uh, um, um, blessed race in this world wherever they go you look at many big conglomerates and all that behind you will see jews so the concept is you are god's people jews for example you will bless god is very interested in your family now please turn to acts chapter 2 verse 39 please correct 1b is Acts chapter 2 verse 39 not verse 30 all right we need to move to an important point now okay shall we read it together please acts chapter 2 verse 39 1 2 reading for the promise is to you and your children to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the lord or god shall call so the promise is to your children summarizes everything from old testament to new testament now the question is why is god extending and why is god's why is god a familiar god so interested in your family is it just to bless it now then we have to understand god the next thing god is a covenantal god now look at point number two god is a covenantal god now look at look at the slide please when you understand this now we're going to look at this so that we understand this plus this equals to this all right new page god is a covenant keeping god whenever you think of god you cannot not think about he is a covenantal god this concept as i said has been lost in fact today if you talk about covenants most people think that oh it's a bible college topic covenants oh it is a theological um, um, fad a popular thing to talk about that's about it has nothing to do with us it's all theology <coughs> nothing is further from the truth covenant in the bible and how god works is it basically governs how god works covenant now let me bring to your attention what is this this is the bible all right this is the bible what does the bible contain the bible contain the old and the new testament correct do you know that the word testament the word testament in greek is the word 
covenant. God deals with us from His Bible. And He deals with men and He reveals to men. Dealing with men in the old covenant. He's dealing with men in the new covenant. Even the Bible is called by covenant. God is a covenant-keeping God. You are a believer. You are God's covenantal people. You live by the covenant of God. And therefore, the family lives by the covenant as well. Now, what is this covenant? What are covenants? How do we know God is a covenantal God? You studied, some of you have studied this. Some, to many, it may be new. We must see very clearly, as we have seen, God is a familiar God. Now you must see very clearly God is a covenant-keeping God. He functions by covenant. Now, in fact, whenever you see the word capital L-O-R-D in your Bible, why is it not small L-O-R-D? Because in Hebrew, this word would be made up of four Hebrew alphabets. This is the English alphabet. Yahweh. Or people call it, people uh, name it as Jehovah. Yehovah, right? Hebrew is Yehovah, Yahweh, Jehovah. Whenever you see this, it is in Hebrew, Yahweh. God has many names. The Almighty God, the God of battle, Lord of hosts, many. But whenever is this word, whenever you see here Jehovah, it is always a name that God chose to describe himself as the covenant-keeping God. Understand that? So when you, whenever you read that, you know God is emphasizing His covenantal nature. Jehovah, my covenant with my covenantal people. I'm your God. So, so understand that first. Hmm? Erase. Doesn't erase. Okay, now back here. Understand that God functioned right in the beginning in the Garden of Eden by, by covenant. God began with the covenant in the Garden of Eden. I will try to draw a summary. I left a bigger space here so that you can try to um, follow. <clears throat> now, there was the covenant of works. Alright? <clears throat> covenant of works. We all know this. God told Abraham, eh, God told Adam after he created Adam, he said, now, you obey. You obey my commandments. Do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You obey me. If you obey me, you will live. In other words, if Adam obeyed God, did not partake of that tree, Adam will live forever. Adam live forever means he physically will not die. Spiritually, he will not be sent to hell. Understand that? That is God's purpose from the beginning when he created man. But we know Adam and Eve disobeyed. Disobeyed. Now turn to Genesis. We must understand this. When God, is, when God says all this, He is in a covenant, entered into a covenant, made a covenant with Adam. Okay, now... <clears throat> Look at verse chapter, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. Now here God begins the first covenant with the first man. Let's read together. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Verse 17. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. This is a promise. The twofold promise. If you eat of it, you will surely die. If you do not, you will live. You will live. Now, so this is what we call the covenant of works. The covenant of works. The test which men fail. Covenant of works. So we have what is the Eden or Edenic covenant. Now, immediately when man failed this covenant, God must keep his promise, right? God must send men to hell. But immediately look at chapter 3. Look at chapter 3, verse 15. Let's read um, together. Chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Immediately God 
kicked in another covenant. Alright? Another covenant. God knows that men, now, we must pay attention to this. God knows that when men fell, there is no way that men now can, ever, can have everlasting life. And the um, future generation of Adam, we will inherit Adam's sinful nature and we will all born, be born sinners. God knew that when Adam fell. And immediately in Genesis 3.15, God says, Now I will give a seed, a child. And this seed will bruise Satan's head. This seed uh, will bruise Satan's head and Satan will bruise Christ. The seed is Christ. Heal. Bruise the head means means it will die. So God, so Christ will win Satan. Satan at best can only bruise the heel of Christ. Okay? So here, God immediately gave the covenant of grace. How do we know? Because God says, now graciously, man, you know that from here onwards you cannot obey me perfectly, you cannot depend on yourself, no matter how you try, you can never be perfect anymore because of the fall. I need to now send Jesus Christ, my son, to live that perfect life, pay for your sins fully. That is the meaning of covenant of grace. This man's work by obedience. Adam could obey perfectly. Now he cannot. No man can. So Adam's future generation, all sinners cannot. God sent Christ. To be that perfect Adam. That's why it's called the last Adam. Live that perfect life. We in Adam, we in Adam all became sinners. Then those in Christ all can be justified. So this is called the covenant of grace. Because now it's no more works. Now please turn to um, Ephesians chapter, uh, turn to Romans chapter 3 first. Romans chapter 3. This is the explanation. Romans chapter 3. Can we read verses 23 to 28? 23 to 28, 1-2 reading. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just, and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Where is thy boasting then? It is excluded by the law of works, nay, but by faith, by the law of faith, verse 28, Therefore we conclude that man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So here God just explained this covenant of grace. He said, do you know how I save you now? Look at verse 23. All of you are sinners. Verse 24. Now I will justify you freely by my grace. That's why it's called covenant of grace. God says you cannot save yourself, you have no more hope. But I freely justify you by my grace. I enter into this covenant with you now. Now, what is, how does God set forth that covenant? Sending Jesus Christ to die in our place. Verse 25. Verse 26. To, be, to justify us. Verse 27 and 28 is the final reminder. Now, in this covenant of grace, it, is, it has nothing to do with you being a good Christian, being a good person, obeying God's word. You're justified purely by Christ dying for you. So after you are saved, you want to be obedient to God's word simply because you are saved. That is it. Because you're under grace. I can't do a single thing that can justify. That's why it can never be grace plus works. There are many who teach. Well, Jesus saved you by grace, but you better be good, you know. If you're not good, you're going to hell. Then you're saying that grace is not enough. You need to add your works. But God says it's purely 
by grace, grace alone. Where does work come in? This is after salvation. You obey because now you're a child of God. You must please Him. But you don't obey in order to be saved. You obey because you are saved. The moment you want grace plus work, then you are outside the covenant of grace. I want to repeat. The moment in your mind you think, well, I believe in Jesus, He died, yes, but I think I must do my part in order to go to heaven. Then you are outside the covenant of grace. You are in a different, different religion. You are in a religion called Christ plus my good works. You cannot be saved. Because God already says, works cannot save men. You can never be perfect in your obedience. So it must be of total grace. So I hope you understand that. So it begins with this overarching concept. From now on, every covenant that God makes with men, it is on the basis of the covenant of grace. Understand that? So next thing we understand. So how does this make God a covenant till God? Yeah, alright, it's covenant of grace. Now we know of many different covenants, right? So we have the covenant... We have the covenant of works, which failed. Then immediately the covenant of grace kicked in. Now from there, you are going to see God making covenants. Covenant after covenant. Now the familiar one, we have Eden. Then we have Noahic covenant, right? We read just now. This is my covenant. I will establish my covenant. This is my covenant with you. Then you have the Noahic covenant. Then you have um, the Abrahamic covenant. All right. Or some people also want to call it the Adamic covenant. Then you have the Mosaic covenant. Covenant that God made with Moses. Then we have, of course, we have other small um, other covenants mentioned in the Bible. I'm calling out this, the key significant one. Then we have the Davidic covenant. All right? Now, all these covenants are all <coughs> under the covenant of grace. It's the same covenant of grace. He's not establishing new different covenants, but he is now going to emphasize different aspects of this covenant. Different aspects. The Noahic covenant. Undo. The Noahic covenant. Now, um, what does the Noahic covenant remind you of? Remember? Okay, young ones. Um, when they came out of the ark, the family was protected. Phoebe, what did God make in the sky? Rainbow. Alright, rainbow, right? God's covenant is, I will make rainbows for you. We love to go around Perth. Wow, double rainbow. Is God's interest making rainbows, very beautiful things in the sky? Now, it is to say, remember I saved you out of the flood. It's a reminder of the salvation. For example, of course, many aspects. I pull out, reminder of salvation. Every time you see the rainbow, what must you remember, Phoebe? Beautiful sky? No. God spared Noah, right? God spared Noah. We are spared from God's salvation. God, in New Testament, talk about the ark as a type of Christ, right? We, inside Christ, we will be spared of the next global judgment, right? So we in Christ, in the ark, next global judgment, I'm spared because I am in Christ. So the rainbow reminds us of salvation. Then the Ab okay, we can go like that. The Abrahamic covenant. What do you think it is? We read just now, repeatedly talking about seeds, generations. Correct? Repeatedly talking about your seed, your generation, the future generation. You will be like sands of the sea. Keep talking about generations. Correct? Then. After that, you have the Mosaic Covenant. What is the Mosaic Covenant? About the? Say again. The law. The Ten Commandments. The law. Ten Commandments. Emphasizing what? Obedience. Emphasizing obedience. Right? 
Then you have finally the what? Davidic. Davidic covenant always talk about the the throne. Very good. The throne of Christ. Um, the throne reminding us of the eternal Christ rule. Alright? Eternal Christ rule. Now all this is to remind us of one overarching covenant called the we are under the covenant of grace okay by grace God saved us by grace God saved us by grace God because of his grace God is a familiar God he's interested in your family by grace God said I have saved you now pay attention I have saved you by grace therefore obey me by your obedience you show me your love right christ said what's the proof of a love of man to me many say i love you christ i love you christ and christ repeatedly say how do you prove your love to me obey my laws right by you're saved by grace now therefore obey me i am your lord and reminder of our eternal purpose christ is our head Christ is the head of the home. Christ is head of the church. Eternal, in eternity, everything will be brought under the rulership of Christ, right? So, all these things remind us about the covenant of grace. By grace, we will be in heaven. Our purpose on earth relative to heaven. So, all these covenants. So, you will see that over time in history, God keep emphasizing and working through covenant with His people. Not new covenant, same overarching covenant okay so why do i tell you all this i'll put it this way oh this is great when god do all this what is god's purpose god is interested in your family god is interested in your family what is god's purpose then we look at israel when god did all this when God did all this, the Savior Christ, the Savior Christ will come to be the Savior, correct? Now, in order for the Savior to come, in order for the Savior to come, He must come through a nation, correct? He must come through a nation. So, remember we read earlier in Genesis, God said, the woman's seed, singular. The woman's seed. That seed in that covenant with Abraham, the, with Adam, that seed refers to Christ, right? The seed. Now, do you understand why God did not wipe out the whole world? Maybe I'll ask you. When God wiped out the world, could He have just wiped out the whole world, including Adam's, uh, Noah's family? Could He have? He could have. And start a total new race? Can he? He can. But he said, because of my covenant, I will not. Is he saying, oh Noah, oh Noahic covenant, I will set up a new covenant from now onwards. It's me and you. When he said, I will establish my covenant, alright, which covenant is he referring to when he told Noah, I will establish my covenant? The covenant of grace. He is referring to the covenant of grace. How do you know? Very good. In Genesis 3.15, God already said there will be the seed, right? There will be the seed, correct? This seed is Jesus Christ, correct? Now, if God wiped out everyone, including Noah, then His promise in Genesis 3.15, will it fail? It will fail because the seed is supposed to come from the loins of Adam, correct? And if the entire generation, future generation of Adam is wiped out, then that line is broken, correct? So you must know when God says, my covenant with you, Noah, he's referring to Genesis 3.15 with Adam. And he's referring to the covenant of grace. That's why he did not wipe out the world. Understand that? God is a covenant-keeping God. He will ensure that he will keep his covenant. So it begins with the seed. So Christ, Christ. Now, Christ must come. Now, why is God so interested in Abraham's future generation because I like Abraham such a nice guy let me bless his entire generation that is what we wish right 
we, as families, God, you like my family or not, God? God, I pray, please like my family. And then please bless, bless all my future generation that they will all be engineers, lawyers, uh, doctors, uh, rich, famous in the world. Every generation is like that, like Noah's family, eh, like Abraham's family. Okay, God, please be a familiar God to my family. Is God so interested in Abrahamic covenant in seed because he likes Abraham? No, it's again because of the seed. Understand that. The seed will come. The covenant of grace, Christ will come. And to have that seed means he chose Abraham. In Abraham's loins, through Abraham's line, there are going to come who? They are going to come eventually Jacob, right? Through Jacob eventually will come the 12 children. The 12 children will form the 12 tribes. The 12 tribes will form Israel, correct? And all this, why? Because God loved Abraham. No, because God is interested in the future generation of Abraham because he is bringing the seed to come. The seed will save the world. He's the savior of the world. I pause at this point to emphasize this. God is a familial God. God is a familial God, very interested in the generation very interested in blessing, very interested in your family, will protect, keep, want your family to be safe because of a purpose. And that it is an eternal purpose. It's always about Christ. But you say Christ has come already. So we are not important. The line, done, finished. Let's go live ourselves. We are no longer needed as covenantal family. Does it end? So God... <coughs> will form through this different color is red good all right now in order for christ to come he will come through israel right through israel god's interest in abraham was eventually to bring about the nation israel from which the savior will come correct now so you see savior came already no more covenantal family Done. God intended that His people live the Ten Commandments, the Mosaic Commandments. Now, let me ask maybe someone. Um, who does? Uh, okay, anyone looking down? Oh, all very brave. Look at me. Now you know my tree. Whenever you look, at, look down, I'll ask you. All right, Ben. Ben Khan. Why did God make the Mosaic Covenant? and gave the Ten Commandments on the tables of stone and gave it to the children of Israel. Why? For them to obey. Why does God want us to obey? Because God is a controlling God. Right? You obey. Why? Why did He say, I give you this law and this law is so wonderful, the rest of the world is going to look at you all and say, wow, what a wise people. Why did God want to give this? Is it for them to obey to be saved? No, right? We establish. Obeying the Ten Commandments cannot save you because you can never obey it perfectly. So Christ had to obey it for us. So why did God give them the Ten Commandments in this covenant of grace? For them to obey. Right, Ben, try. To be a witness. Alright, the Ten Commandments. Now if Israel obeyed the Ten Commandments, then Israel will be a shining shining what witness a shining witness i forgot to tell you to draw from the left side to the right side this one mine is very good i can do this all right so um is to be a shining witness for god now when now when they failed to do that they failed to obey god's law they broke practically every commandment. It started with breaking the first commandment. They started to worship idols, correct? They started to worship idols. Now, God's purpose was for Israel to be a witness. Whoops, that's the bad choice. Red with red. To be witness. Still cannot. To be a witness. What's a witness? Means they are to bear a testimony to the world for God. Okay? 
Now, when Israel failed, what happened? God kicked Israel out of the land. Correct? In fact, God promised Israel, I am in a covenant. I am in a covenant with you. If you fail, I will kick you out of the land. Maybe I ask, um, Joshua, why would God kick them out of the land? They are no longer a witness. God said, I bring you to the promised land. I will give you the promised land. You literally walk in and take over. You know how they entered the promised land, right? God says, you are come, you, I'll bring you to the promised land. You just walk in and the land is for your taking. Means you go to any house. I like this house. You just go in and you live there onwards. Okay? You like, you like grapefruit? This house has a lot of grape plantation. I'll, choose, I'll stay here. All right? And God allocated the spaces for them. It was literally walk-in takeover. Land of flowing milk and honey. Means there'll be cows, there'll be bees everywhere. Very fruitful. Very, very lush. Why did God want to bless them? God said, I will bless you because I'm in a covenant with you. So families say, wow, I like to be Christian families. Because God blesses Christian families like that. I will have many cars, many houses, a lot of money in my bank account, very intelligent children like the Jews. Is that why God blessed them? God blessed them. God said, I will give you a land. You walk in and you live there and your sole purpose is now to shine for me to the rest of the world from your little corner in Israel. You will be a wonderful witness for me. By obeying my laws, the world will see, wow, what a wise people they are. What a wonderful God they have. And they will even say that, wow, these people, the God, their God lives so close to them, you know. God talks with them. God meets with them how often? God meets with them how often? God says, every Sabbath you come, I invite you before my throne of grace. Not that God is not with them every day. A special audience to the unbelievers, they only get to work or they end up worshipping their God once a year, maybe. So they say, wow, this God is so loving, so kind, so close to these people. What a wonderful thing. But Israel failed. So Israel, God said, you, the land is for you. In this covenant, the land is for you to be a witness for me. So now families, I ask you, John, why do you want God to bless your family? Now that we understand why God is in a covenant, why do you want God to bless your family? Very good. That my fam whatever blessings Israel received was to be used for being a witness to the world, right? So that is why we must remember what's the purpose of the family. Now, how does the family come in now? Israel failed, Israel got kicked out. God says who replaces Israel temporarily? Who? Sinning. The church. The church. The church. Now that Israel is no longer the light. Now Israel is temporarily put aside. I want to emphasize that. You know that, right? God says in, um, during the millennium, um, all Israel will turn to God. They will learn their lesson. All Israel will turn to God during the time of tribulation. We studied that in eschatology. They will all believe. But until then, God says, remember I draw the timeline. God says, Israel failed me. They don't want to be my witness. Israel kicked out of the land. Then Christ came. Alright, so Old Testament. Then in the New Testament, God said, Israel kicked out of the land. No longer my witness. Then the church becomes my witness. Right? We studied that. Then there is a period where Satan and Antichrist will arise. Antichrist will rule the world, the Bible tells us, if we've learned, for seven years. Now at this time of seven years, it will be a period where true Christians will be persecuted. At these seven years, all Israel will believe. They will turn back to God. They will turn back to God. So this period. But now, in between this time, the church is God's witness. It's God's witness. So Israel failed. Now the church is God's witness. In other words, God's covenant now is with the church. The church is in a covenant with God. It got transferred to the church temporarily. 
Here, then we understand why is God a covenantal God? We studied. Why is God a covenantal God? Because of all this, we see. Why is God a familial God? So now you guess. Let me see who to guess. Uh, Yenwei, you want to guess? So we studied God is a covenantal God. Israel failed. Now the church is the one that will bear this covenant. Witness to the world, right? So why do we say that, why do we use the word covenantal family? Why? Church is the witness. Hmm? We are under the same covenant. Yes. But why have we learned? We have learned God is familiar God. God is a covenant-keeping God. And then you plus these two, we get the covenantal family. How do we come to that? Eugene? Very good. Now, remember that is the concept of generations. Generations, right? There is the concept of witness. The witness is transferred from Israel to the church. Then there is generation. Generations refer to families, right? Families and individuals in there. So still, what's the answer? Why? Why is the church witness? Now suddenly we say the family is a covenantal family. Eugene. Very good. Family is made up of individuals who are part of families. Family is, church is made up of family. Families make up the church. God is in a covenant for the church to be a witness. The families inside the church, you are now bearing that covenant with God. You cannot see yourself as just isolated family, isolated individuals. You are part of the covenant. Now, look, at, look here. Remember there were, what makes up Israel? Uh, Samantha, what makes up Israel? The families, specifically the, the tribes, right? The tribes. Israel is made up of the tribes. The tribes are made out of families. And God says through Israel, the tribal concept, the familial concept, it is to be my witness. When it got transferred, what is the church made up of? Individuals who are part of families and families. So now all this generation, tribal concept is now in the New Testament church. Understand that? That's why you are a covenantal family. You cannot divorce yourself from all these covenants that God made. Now please turn, therefore, to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Uh, before that, alright, let's look at the... Okay, let's... 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Okay, can we read First Peter 2, verse 9 together? This was our church family theme, right, a few years back. Reading, But ye are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Do you understand? God here is not talking to the Old Testament Israel. This is God using Peter to write to the New Testament church. Look at this verse carefully. You see the covenant in there with us. You are a chosen generation. Remember, it's about generations. Part of God's chosen plan, grace. Number two, you are a royal priesthood. Remember, Israel was a nation of priesthood. You are individually what God says part of God's priesthood. Number three, and holy nation. The church is called a holy nation. Just like Israel. You are a holy nation. So God is now describing this entire parallel here with the church. Understand that. You are a nation to me. 
For what purpose? As one of you have pointed out, now you are a peculiar people. Peculiar means you are strange. No. Peculiar means the Greek word is treasure. You are a treasure to me. Do you understand that as a Christian family, as the church, you are a treasure to God. God loves you. God protects you. God, God will take care of you. For what? Look at here. That ye should show forth the praises of Him. The purpose is always, look here, the purpose is witness. All these words were said to Israel. When Israel failed, God said all these words to the church. You are to be my witness. Why do you want, why do you think now? Why do you think God is a familiar God? Why do you think God is interested in your family? Because He has a purpose for your family, for the church, to be a witness. We are the young people. Alright, Amberly, um, Jennifer, um, uh, Elim, Cornelius, Caleb. Do you understand that as a family, you are special to God, precious to God, not because you are so cute. When Jesus said, forbid not the children to come unto me, right? The children were brought to him and they said, the people are trying to keep them away. Jesus said, no, 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 don't forbid them to come to me. What do you think Jesus is saying? Oh yeah, this one so cute, children so cute. Is Jesus saying, they're so cute, let them come, let them come, I want to play with them. Very often we play with children because, oh, so cute, right? We like children because of that. Now you must look at children as Christ looked at children. When, God's, when Christ was interested in the children, let them come to me. God is saying they're part of the covenantal family. So young people, do you understand that? You are part of this witness in your family. We'll talk more about that afterwards. So why, now look back at your um, key, key, key points. Here, I've covered this. God is a familiar God. We've proven that. God is a covenantal God. We've seen that in history. Why are we a covenantal family? Because we have taken over Israel to be God's witness on earth. That's why this plus this equals covenantal family in the church today. You cannot not understand that. As long as you don't understand that, you will ask, why must I live for God? God, I just want to you bless me for my joy, my peace, my happiness. In the second session, we'll look at the purpose of a covenantal family and how do you be a covenantal family. Alright, so for now, um, we have one minute. Do you have any questions about this? Do you understand why now you're a covenantal family? I just want to say this, you have no choice. When God entered into a covenant with these people, they were chosen. When I say you have no choice, uh, please don't look at it as negatively. Look at it as a great privilege. God chose you, chose your family to be part of His covenantal purpose. Okay, any questions? Alright, if not, we take a short break and then we come back.